1: Welcome to the Locked On Golden Knights podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Carlo Gonzalez. And before we get to this uh, in today's episode, I want to tell you guys about the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your daily podcast on everything happening around the league. Subscribe and listen to uh, each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get podcasts. So on today's episode, I am joined by Laura and Scott from the Lock on Montreal Canadians podcast. And we talk about basically a preview of the Montreal Canadiens versus the Vegas Golden Knights semi-finals uh in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh it's it's like all your other cl- oh. collaboration episodes that I've done before. We're gonna talk about the Golden Knights and what they can, what they do, what they can do to beat the Montreal Canadiens, and we talk about the Montreal Canadiens and what they can do to beat the Golden Knights. We also talk about the big story surrounding this series, like the the Max Pacioretty Nick Suzuki connection and the Mark Andre Fleury and the Carey Price uh story, the goaltending battle that is on this series. Um. So without further ado, I'm just going to take you guys to my conversation with Laura and Scott.
2: So we're all here, Locked On Canadians and Locked On Vegas Golden Knights, And we want to talk about the series. It's starting tonight. Uh, I think maybe we should start with Vegas because obviously they are the higher seed. They get that privilege. And uh, so the way we all got together and decided to do this was bearing in mind that neither fan base has seen the other uh, unless you went and sought them out. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about how these teams play so that we know what to expect when, when we start. So, Carlo, how yep. about we start with this? Um, like, if you could describe Vegas' style mm-hmm. in, in a sentence or two, how do they play? What is their playing style?
1: Vegas, if I just, just a sentence or two, their playing style. Is this is a, okay. <laughs> Vegas is relentless, physical, and fast. And they are sound defensively. I guess that's would be and the love they love to counterattack uh, from their defense. And so uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. That, that's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> like, describing Vegas in Tusa, it's hard because what makes this seem really good is they're very versatile. because uh, the two teams they played in the two series. Uh, Minnesota and and Colorado are two very different teams, and they play them very differently depending on their styles, and 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 I guess that's what the sentence is. Vegas is very versatile. And they so here's, here's my with. question,
2: mm-hmm. because a lot of people said so. When we were polling, you know, like, uh, who would you rather play? Obviously, a lot of people would say Vegas because that's a team that the style the Canadians would be familiar with because it's exactly like you said, right? They were versatile. They did different Mm -hmm. things against the opponents. Personally, I thought that I would rather have the Habs play Colorado because they were very effective against Toronto in doing what, like, slowing them down. So I guess my question is, because people keep comparing these two teams, and I feel like, some of the comparisons are apt and some of them are not. I do think that Vegas is much, much stronger on the speed and skill side. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, where would you say like most of the goals have come from?
1: In the regular season, Vegas has actually been one of the best transition teams in the league. Most of their goals comes from transition, especially uh, coming from Mark Stone, uh, taking the puck away from you. And then that, turns into offense right away. That's one of his things, but it it, against Minnesota. It was a lot of very dirty goals. Uh, They, they had to come because Minnesota muddied up the blue line and, and they were very defensively responsible and against Colorado, it opened up a little bit more. They had Colorado is still a very, very is a very, very good team. It's also very versatile and very good defensively sound, but, if you watched any of the Colorado Vegas game, it was back and forth, back and forth, because Colorado likes the rush too. But there was a lot of cycles in Colorado because of how they control their defense uh, once they stopped the rush. Because it, in playoff hockey, there's not a lot of room to, to, uh, to move around on the ice. And Colorado and Vegas really tightened up their defense. And those rushes that you've seen in the regular season from Colorado and Vegas started to disappear as the, as the series uh, uh, moved on. Like in 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 the game one where Colorado blew out Vegas, there was Colorado was just so fast, and the transition goals that they did, Vegas had no chance. But after Vegas kind of shut down Colorado's rush game, Vegas became a four-checking heavy. Uh, the heavy team that just was relentless in Colorado's young defense, a smaller defense, could not handle, and that's how they really took over the series. If that answers your question, Vegas can score. They have their top two lines are two very different lines. If if uh, you know what I mean, the the misfit line what we call the misfit line or second line is the more fast and and quick. Uh, line while the stone, uh, uh, stone line is a more defensively counter-attacking line. If that answers your question, and that's it how does. They sco- yeah, that's how, how that's how they score more their uh, most of their goals. It depends on the line you you go against. They score it differently.
2: And so this is the thing because so many people have said. You know, as you're talking, I'm listening and I'm hearing a lot of what people are saying Montreal is doing effectively in mm-hmm. the playoffs. So I feel like at the end of the at the end of the series, it's going to come down to a war of attrition at some point because Montreal, as being the less skilled team in the um in in the series that they face so far, they've had to do exactly what uh, Vegas as you said, just did, right. Mm -hmm. They've had to like clock down the neutral zone, uh, you know, do a defensive shutdown, not allow chances, and then take advantage of like mistakes, like capitalize on opportunities. So I was having this discussion actually in game six with uh, some people on Twitter and one of our listeners, Sean Hashem, brought up uh, a really good point because in the Colorado Vegas series, he said that it was free entry exit city. No one is defending either blue line. And to my eye, that looked like a series where both teams were just going to be too fast for Montreal to handle. Um, And I said, you know, I hope that that bodes well for the Montreal series. And he said that um, the Habs usually suffer deeply against long offensive zone cycle teams. And Vegas is also scoring through screens mostly. So and Weber and Sherrod is are expected in this, in this series to shine because they're good at clearing the net front. So here's my question to you. Is Vegas, you wouldn't be able to consider them an offensive zone cycle team, right? But they'd be able to defend against that.
1: Yes. Uh, Vegas, especially when you have uh, Alec Martinez and uh, Alex Petrangelo, they're shutting down uh, those cycle teams. They're very good at that. They're good, very good at blocking shots. And very good at reacting to what the other team is doing. Most of our defensemen, although they do have some uh, offensive capabilities like Petro and Theodore, they're very sound defensively. Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb, Zach Whitecloud, and Nick Holden are all very good responsibly on the defense. And, And Alex Petrangelo, obviously, one of the best defensemen in the league, in my opinion. But the cycle game... The bodies for Vegas are big too. We, when you mentioned the speed with Colorado and Vegas, uh Vegas had to play, kind of had to catch up there a little. Bit. Vegas is not a slow team per se, but they're also a very big team. When you guys, when you have guys like Reeves and Carrier, Mark Stone is a big guy. Alex Stuck is a big guy. It, they're defending the cycle for them, like clearing the the front of the net uh, has been uh they they've been good especially if you watch if you if you ignore the colorado game if you watch the minnesota game that was more of the style that i'm gonna expect from from montreal uh, where vegas versus uh the wild was these heavy cycle big physical presence in front of the net type of type of deal right is that is that what montreal i i know that made the suzuki and caulfield line are, it's a little bit more skill based right if i'm correct right so i'm just expecting a little bit more of the the style the wild played against vegas mm-hmm. than colorado it's gonna be hard to compare montreal versus vegas with Colorado versus Vegas, in my opinion, I think yeah, yeah, I you're think-
2: absolutely right on that front. It would definitely be, uh, it would definitely be more of a Minnesota situation. Yeah, I think the thing with the Canadians is that people. Uh, don't realize because they have a bunch of short players that are good. I think people mm-hmm. don't realize that they are also a physical team mm-hmm. that really came out in the, in the playoffs. Like that's, that's kind of what they did against Toronto was kind of, they, they did like grinding choking type of type of play against them. Uh, whereas I feel like against uh, Winnipeg, it was a little bit more open, but that was because Winnipeg was underperforming dramatically, dramatically compared to the Canadians. They couldn't get anything going and the Canadians like took over uh, the series. So here's my question too. Like, I've asked you, like, if you could describe, you know, how Vegas plays in a sentence. I've asked you to describe about, like, um, how they would fare against the rush. I personally have been quite surprised with how good their defense is. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm wondering if, in your mind, if it's because it's a team defense aspect or if it's defensemen that are good. Because I, I feel like there's a massive difference. And it's okay if your defensemen aren't that good if your team is good defensively.
1: It's it's both, really. It's the system Pete DeBoer has uh, placed. It, it has been has always been good. He's been known to have really good defensemen on his system. When you look, even though they're like, if you have Mark Edward Velasik from the Sharks, uh, when, when he was in the Sharks, all that kind of stuff. But when you have Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb, and Alec Martinez, it's your top four. They're all very good defensively. Shea Theodore... A not is he's known more for his offense and defensively, but when you have really good defense, like is there, and and it's not just the defenseman for Vegas; it's their forwards that play defense. You're very familiar with with your star shutdown forward and know, right? Mark Stone is also in that conversation. He's probably the best shutdown winger in the league, but it's not just Mark Stone. William Carlson is a very good 200 foot player. Riley Smith, uh, Max Pacioretty, who's who you're very familiar with, uh, you know, Alex Tuck is a very good defensively, like a lot of people don't know this, but Alex Tuck is a, a very good defensive forward. Now he's learned a lot from Mark Stone. You have Nick Wah. like all up and down the lineup. They're all 200 foot forwards, other than probably Marcia Soap, that you can say that's not that good on the defense. This offensive side it's a team-based defense and all everybody buys into the system that's what's able to the uh the Golden Knights to win the Jennings trophy this year it's not just Marc-Andre Fleury who's been amazing it's also the team defense uh that's just the structure of that defense from forwards to defensemen to really limit the opportunities the opponents get
2: so we, you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury, and we are going to talk about goaltending later in the, in, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think what we should do is we should move on to what the halves are about and what you think Vegas listeners would like to hear about our team. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first... Let me
1: tell you guys about Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more. With Credit Karma money Spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card and if you win you will be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. And when you make a purchase between june 8th and june 30th you'll be automatically entered to win 1 million dollars credit karma money progress starts here right now visit creditkarma.com win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma go to creditkarma.com win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma that's creditkarma.com win money Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank Incorporated. Members FDIC, Maximum balance and transfers limits apply.
2: So we're back with our big crossover. And now it's time for Scott and I to answer questions about how the Montreal Canadiens play for Carlos listeners.
1: Yeah, so my biggest curiosity, and I think a lot of fans are uh wondering is on paper let's i'm not gonna sugarcoat it on paper toronto was the more skilled better team right but i think the biggest question people are asking is how were the abs not, sorry the habs able to shut down the very talented offensive juggernaut that is the toronto maple leafs and how would that apply to them against vegas
2: well obviously it was a curse right it was a toronto (laughs) curse but no you're absolutely right i mean the the leafs finished 18 points ahead of the canadians right the canadians were 18th in the like in in the league and they made the playoffs they were the quote unquote worst team to make the playoffs uh but here's what happened is that i think people forget the regular season had a lot of ups and downs. There was a COVID scare. There was a coaching change. There was a condensed schedule. There were a lot of things. So it is true that the Canadians underperformed their potential, but it's also true that Toronto's better than Montreal in this in the regular season. They were so much better than Montreal. Well, what happened was they had a week off to practice and, and, and they had a week off to implement an identity that had not existed since Cole Julian left the team uh, or was relieved of his duties. And so what happened was it's exactly like you said about Vegas. And that's why every time you were talking about Vegas, it, 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 it rang alarm bells in my head because I feel like, you know, Montreal has done a lot of similar things. It's just that Vegas is more talented. So I, I do think that the playoffs are a different animal, but What they did was they all decided they knew their roles. They were going to commit to their roles. And they had that buy-in that you were talking about. Now, Philippe Deneau completely sacrificed his offensive game completely. He shut down austin matthews right that's that's number one i think he was extremely extremely popular and in in, uh popular extremely extremely important sorry not popular extremely important um in 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 both of the series but particularly against the stars in, in in toronto and so that's one thing is that they all like stuck to their roles. They all had a defined role and they knew exactly what was expected and they performed well. And I think another thing is simply that they just are able to capitalize on mistakes that you make, because that's really when you're facing a more talented team or a better team or whatever, or faster team, whatever you want to call it, right? Again, we're not sugarcoating here, but we do think that the Canadians have done a phenomenally good job of just capitalizing on every weakness, every mistake. Uh, and obviously, Carey Price has been good. Uh, the def- the defensemen, who weren't playing that well in the regular season, it turned out after a while we found out that Shea Weber was injured the whole time, um, which I don't even want to start on a rant about playing injured. Uh, but, you know, like the... the, the, the they all did their jobs to perfection. And as much as we can criticize Dominique Ducharme for not playing Kat Kinyemi the first night, for not playing Cole Caulfield until game three, for not pay- playing Alexander Romanov until game four against uh, Winnipeg, as you know, we've been criticizing him all season. We've been questioning his decisions all season. But the gambles that he's making, in the playoffs are really paying off. And I think it's because he has that buy-in from every single player. Scott, would you agree with that?
0: I would. And I think the biggest thing about the Toronto series and not quote the Winnipeg one, because uh, they didn't have to make as many adjustments in the Winnipeg series, but against Toronto with their backs up against the wall, Dominique Ducharme just kind of opened up a little bit and got aggressive and changed their neutral zone attack. And Toronto just had, Nothing for it. They went from, okay, we're dominating the flow of play, and we're going to cycle, cycle, cycle. To we can't slow down anyone. You know, you moving horizontally through the neutral zone right now. Uh, we talked in the first segment about how the Canadians kind of have their counter-attacking lines. Like I look at Suzuki and Caulfield, they're very good at counter-punching and going up ice. The Deno line is very good at just kind of holding whatever zone they're in. And the one we haven't really talked about is the fourth line, the retirement line of uh, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, and Yoel Armia, who against the Jets just refused to give the puck up and just sat there and hemmed teams in over and over. It wasn't fast. It wasn't flashy. They just found what works. And once Dominique Ducharme figured out who works with who and what works, he was able to just have his guys go and, you know, play out there. And I look at, you know... Vegas is bottom six. I'm on daily face off right now. And there's matchups to be won there that if Dominique Ducharme can get the matchups he's looking for, I think he has the right pieces to take advantage of that, especially with that, you know, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl tandem who are all of a sudden just on fire in the playoffs, like the refusing to go quietly. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause I don't expect Vegas to make it easy. Just like Toronto didn't uh, Winnipeg is, uh, notwithstanding right now, but I am going to be interested to see what changes Vegas forces Dominique Ducharme to make uh, as this series goes on.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, the two young guys. That I that really intrigued me that got plugged into the, uh, the lineup in Cole, uh, Cole Caulfield and Kutkiniemi. Uh, Kutkiniemi is not really technically a rookie anymore.
0: Correct? No, he's very young still though. Which yeah. Lo- my mind <laughs>
1: yeah uh and obviously nick suzuki who i'm pretty familiar with well he, he was actually one of my favorite prospects uh and uh was disappointed that he was the one to go but my 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 question is how has those two uh caught and caulfields insertion to the lineup really affected the the pace and the uh the the Opportunities and scoring chances. How, how did they really affect the lineup? And because I, I remember watching that series against Toronto when you guys were down 3-1, when you guys put in coffee, I think that's when it really turned and flipped really the the series, right?
0: If I'm correct. Laura, do you mind if I take that one?
2: Oh, no. you Yeah, go ahead. Take that one. I'm so excited (laughs) to hear you talk about this.
0: (laughs) The thing about Cole Caulfield is is that Laura and I have, we call him the small goals boy for a reason because he's got one of the most lethal shots at any level of hockey. But where he's thrived is putting himself in dangerous spots to be a distributor as well. Mm -hmm. And on the power play and in the offensive zone, he's forcing teams to take, A different look. They can't just, you know, hone in on Tyler Toffoli or Nick Suzuki now or one or the other. It's you got to be aware of Caulfield at all times because he's creating these opportunities and he plays so fast. He plays quick. He's smart with the puck and he's dangerous. Like Paul Byron is quick, but uh, Cole Caulfield is dangerously quick and with a lethal shot. It's a, he's a multifaceted attack that you have to pay attention to on so many levels now. And Suzuki's unique playmaking ability that he they both see the game at a different level makes them such a threat and then you have Tyler Toffoli who all he does is score goals gets in the right spot at the right time it's a slam dunk trio they all just complement each other so well and then Kotkaniemi is I don't know what it is but the playoff start and all that kid does is score goals to be honest with you
2: There's something about Kotkaniemi too, is that the way that he plays is very awkward looking. Like he's got like a very weird skating gait and he's got like his, his release is really weird looking. And so I think that a lot of people just don't realize that like the amount of skill that he has packed in him because it's not beautiful looking right like everything nick suzuki does looks beautiful everything cole caulfield does looks beautiful nothing that cod does looks beautiful but it's it, like that's the thing it's like i think you kind of mistake him for not having that kind of skill and he's got that determination and he's also got that level of of um hockey smarts that people don't expect of him and he's also just kind of like he's very willful like Scott calls him the Finnish murder toddler. Like he just, he imposes his will on the game when he wants to. And so I think that's, that's what happens too. And and I also think that a factor that we haven't really talked about yet is Josh Anderson, because he has been quiet since the first game that he scored against Toronto. I believe he opened the scoring in that series. Uh, And he has been kind of quiet and there's a lot of speculation that he's got some sort of injury or other, but He's a very, very physical and also very, very skilled player. And I think what he does is he creates room for the others. And that's why you don't hear about him a lot, but he has played really well in that opening up the ice for his teammates, his line mates. And, and I think that that's also a factor to be considered. Uh,
1: another, yeah, actually it's funny, you the way you describe uh and reminds me a lot of how Ma- Mark Stone plays and that's a compliment if you actually watch Mark Stone the way he skates and stuff it's it's ridiculous it's like what what this guy what what, what is this guy doing but he he just he just does it but another uh question i want to ask is you played uh Toronto and you've played uh Winnipeg i don't i'm not sure if you guys played Uh, a physical big team like Vegas? Uh, I'm not sure in the year. uh, I can't really think of a team in the North division right now who's as big and physical as Vegas. How do you think they would play against that kind of team where Vegas is actually the the tallest and heaviest team in the league? There was a stat that came out a few weeks ago I saw. How do you think they can handle that kind of uh, physicality?
2: then Cole Caulfield between their legs. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's actually pretty interesting because unfortunately the only physical team that I can think of in the North division is Calgary and the Canadians didn't fare very well against them in the regular season, but they also didn't fare very well against Toronto in the regular season Uh, and and they ended up beating them in a series. And that's going to be really interesting. I think what's going to happen, what's going to have to happen with the Montreal Canadiens is that they need to win some foot races because that's the way that you're going to get around that, that kind of physicality. Um, And, and really when it comes down to it, it's, it's like we said in the first segment, there's got like, this is going to be a battle of who can adjust better, I think. And that's, that's really all it comes down to. They're both teams that are capable of being physical. They're both teams that are quite deep. They're both teams with good goaltending. They're both teams that play a similar style. Although, as you said, Vegas is bigger. They're also faster and heavier. So I think the fact that Montreal has been able to adjust really well in the past couple of series is good for them. But at the same time, Vegas has also done the exact same thing. They've adjusted their game to their opponent. So I think it's kind of a toss up at this point. Uh, and so that's why I'm a little bit excited that they've got, they've got good goaltending and they've got some good stories in each team. Uh, and I guess we can move on to goaltending and uh, talk about the, I guess the, the specifics of Pacioretty and Suzuki and Tatara and all of that. And that's coming up in just one moment, but first...
1: If you're looking for the perfect pre-game snack that's healthy and delicious, Built Bar is the way to go. It's nine delicious flavors such as coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Built Bar is healthy and delicious. It tastes just like a candy bar but has only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs and only 130 calories and it has 17 grams of protein. Built Bar is the way to go. If you haven't tried any of the flavors, you can try and get our mix box when you order. You get two of each of nine flavors. Order today and you get the raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This episode is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet in all your sports action. Hockey and basketball is in full swing in the playoffs, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the greatest sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the games as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on the first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON.
2: All right, let's talk about goaltending. That's what everybody seems to be interested in talking about. And obviously, this series is a really compelling goaltending storyline.
1: Yep. Uh, Mark andre Fleury going back to his hometown after probably his arguably his best season ever, too. And then you have uh, Carey Price, who I don't think had that great of a regular season, but has been lights out in the postseason. He's just turned it on and... the. It's, it's just hard. He just like literally just shut down the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. You couldn't do anything <laughs> to him. <laughs> like, what, what do you want, when we say it's that's what really concerns me the most, to be honest with you, is Carey Price. Because I don't know if you remember last year's bubble uh, against uh, Vancouver with Vegas, they got Demcoed. Uh, that's a term we yeah. use now. And Patrick
2: Demco and his, yeah, and his and freak Carey out. Price
1: is 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 a better goalie than Demko, (laughs) so that's my biggest concern because uh last year the reason why the golden knights lost to dallas because they lost their confidence because of thatcher demko really just like wasn't allowing anything and i'm 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 worried that Carey price is gonna do that to vegas that's my biggest concern for vegas
2: and that's a legitimate concern, and and so we've learned in the last couple of years not to put not to put too much stock in Carey Price's second month slump because he does it every year in November or in this case it was February, and then he just like goes back to being a world class goaltender the following month and nobody can explain it. But also, uh, we learned in the bubble the benefit of rest for him because he is a veteran at this point. It, it like. It's you know he's 34 I think he's 33 turning 34 mm-hmm. uh and it's like it's it's weird to be saying this guy's old um, Our goal is the, 36 Yeah there you go <laughs> he's a veteran at this point but like and so that was that was the big value of Jake Allen this year was really uh you know he didn't actually have a lot of W's but he played really well he was very serviceable and he sort of he he gave the team confidence every game because in the past the Montreal Canadiens have had have had, have had a lot of uh, struggles with trying to find a suitable backup for carry price. And so he's always been overplayed, especially as his age has gone on, like, right. So 2014 carry price, it's fine if he plays like 70 games a year and then like, you know, dominates in the playoffs or whatever, but uh, you can't do that with 2021 carry price. And so the fact that he was also injured and he, he, he got concussed and he had, he spent some time uh, off ice and he was ready to return uh, the very last day of the season. And so I think that rest has kind of benefited him and he does, he, he does, he is a big game goaltender and that's something that he's always done. Right. He always plays really well against guys like uh, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews. Like it's, it, it's like, it's like he enjoys that kind of game. Um, and so I, I, that's an absolutely legitimate concern for Vegas because he is playing really well right now. But the other thing that you have to remember is that, Vegas has wave after wave of people to come and shoot on Carey Price. So like mathematically, the odds are pretty decent.
1: Fleury, to his credit this year, he's just took the, the job. It, it's, there's no doubt about it. Leonard was injured uh, for a month, I believe, uh, because of a concussion. And then Fleury just took it over. And now he's nominated for, the, for his first Vesna. But Fleury, especially in this playoffs, that, that Minnesota series, is lost without Marc Andre Fleury. That, that that series was Marc-Andre Fleury's series. And the thing about Fleury and Price, I think, in my opinion, is that they're both really both Hall of Fame goaltenders, right? But they're two different types of goalies. Carey Price is such a fundamentally sound, disciplined goalie. While Fleury is very chaotic. And just <laughs> flims around and makes the saves, right?
2: I call him Flippy Floppy Flurry because that's what he looks like. He looks like yeah. a fish, like you know yeah. that floppy fish toy for cats. That's exactly. Like.
1: <laughs> it's 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 so he's so entertaining to watch, but at the same time, it gives you a heart attack every time. <laughs> but he still makes the saves. But that that's the kind of goalie Flurry is. He he's very entertaining and fun to watch, and he makes ridiculous saves. Like if you look at highlights, Flurry will probably have more of the quote-unquote highlight saves because of his play style well carrie price is just going to make it look so easy you know what he I does mean? he
2: makes it look easy absolutely yeah and like your analysis is absolutely absolutely correct i think it's going to be really exciting to watch something else i've been really excited for so both scott and i are huge patch homers we were we like we defended him so much mm-hmm. when he was in montreal because we thought the fans didn't appreciate him enough and i think Montreal fans still don't appreciate enough what he did for this team. But, you know, he he got sent to Vegas and we were also kind of relieved about that because at the at the time we didn't know what Nick Suzuki was going to become. We were just kind of like, ah, uh, Thomas Tatar, but you know, a lot of people assured <laughs> us that that Nick Suzuki was the real prize in that trade and we're very happy with how that turned out. And we were also happy that that he was traded to Vegas because it was a team we didn't hate.
1: Yeah. So I- I just want to point out that Thomas Sitar is going to get paid by both
0: teams to watch them play. So, I love it. That's something. It, yeah. Well, someone pointed out it's like, man, it's a real uh, Vegas homecoming for Thomas Tatar. They're in the fi- or the champion, or yeah. the semifinals, whatever. And he's still sitting in the press box yeah, watching it happen. Second like.
1: time he's gonna watch the Golden Knights play in the semifinals.
0: <laughs> oh, poor Thomas! I think he oh, did, yeah. did play
1: one game though against, but it was in Winnipeg. I think he played one game in Winnipeg uh, during that run. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be very fun to watch because Laura and I are both like Thomas Atar wasn't bad, but they just found the Canadians just found something that like worked for them, mm-hmm. and then like it, it he just was the odd man out, and of course, Patraetti's playing opposite Mark Stone and having the time of his life, which you know if you're playing opposite Mark Stone, like it's a pretty good spot to be overall, I think. Hey, it's amazing. If you if you tell a Habs fan or an, uh, a Sens
1: fan like six years ago that Mar, uh, Max Bacciaretti and Mark Stone is going to be hugging it out in Vegas, I, I mean, they're going to think you're crazy, man. Those two guys used to be rivals, right? You, you, oh, they know, hated each other. Yeah, like, you, they
0: were always fighting at each other in the Sens-Habs game, and then it's like they go to Vegas and they're bros. And I'm like, this is so weird. I don't like this.
1: Max Bacciaretti is a renaissance here in Vegas. Uh, like, he, I I thought he was great in Montreal, but I think he's just taking it a different level here in Vegas, uh, especially with Mark Stone and and their center is Chandler Stevenson.
2: Is there something in the water in Vegas? Is that what's happening?
1: It's our buffets. <laughs> it's our buffets, and we send you to watch Celine Dion, and then you get really good.
2: All right, so let's let's really quickly talk about Nick Suzuki uh, yeah. because you mentioned he was one of your favorite prospects.
1: Yeah, it's 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 only because uh i'm an asian american and it's really uh it's there's not a lot of people to kind of root for that kind of looks like me you know what i mean yeah And it's one of those it's one of those things that like i was really rooting for the guy uh and then we trade him away for max patch already i understand how good max patch is but it was like okay you know this is for the team and whatever i was still rooting for him from from far away and i'm glad i'm happy he's getting all the success uh that he's having he's 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 really good it's so fun to watch too
2: and he's much loved here honestly like so we love him obviously because he's good uh but he's also really confident the way that he won his spot last year in in out of training camp was it was so opportunistic and he it like it really paid off and just uh I think it was today Ben Chirot was asked you know, uh, describe Nick Suzuki or, you know, like, you know how they get asked, talk about blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, and and Ben Trott was saying, you know, he's he's mature beyond his years and, and he just steps it up a notch in the playoffs. And he really is, we like to call him really cerebral. We like the way that he plays the game because he can see the play two, three steps ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad this trade is one of those rare win-win trades for both teams, right? All parties like the Golden Knights, Montreal Canadiens, Max and Nick Suzuki, all benefited from this trade.
2: Let's talk about another, uh, I don't know what we should call him, a favorite? a, a, a Cult
0: hero. A cult a cult hero. hero.
2: Yes, cult hero. All right. right, let's. I didn't realize that John Merrill uh, was so important in Vegas.
1: Well, not only is he very, uh, he's a really good, he's one of my favorite players, like when he was here uh, personally, because uh, he's such a great dude. He's He's such a great person in the community is always involved and uh in 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 equality and all that. He's such a great and and his mullet is amazing. And my favorite part, and he's a legend here in Vegas, uh he's a defenseman, but we call him elite forward John Merrill because uh two years ago he played forward because we ran out of a few of our forwards got injured and we're on the road. So it was last minute and he had to play fourth line left wing against Philadelphia and he scored on his only game as a forward so now in Vegas he's known as elite forward John Merrill
2: <laughs> he's a legend he's, he's a literally legend. a legend like he is and a it's, legend it's true like his whole shtick right like his whole like the mullet and the, Mm -hmm. and the off kind of personality His first press conference. When he got traded to Montreal, everybody just absolutely fell in love with him. And that's the thing. Like if you don't expect too much from him, then he's absolutely serviceable. Like he's good for what you need, but unfortunately right now he's injured. We don't know if he's going to draw into the lineup. He did travel to Vegas with the team as did uh, Jeff Petrie, And uh, Jake Evans, also John Merrill, they all traveled with the team and they're all uh, quote-unquote days away from being ready. So we don't know when we'll see them. And Dominique Ducharme is not going to tip his hand, obviously. Like in the last game against Winnipeg, he had two defensemen dressed for the warmups, and then he played Romanov uh, to keep people guessing. But uh, are there any key injuries in Vegas right now?
1: I think at this time of year, everybody's playing hurt. But right now... Uh, there was just reports this morning, actually, that everybody skated. Uh, Thomas Noshik was our only real real injury that he didn't skate or just not available, and he skated for the first time since in a while. Uh, we do have Peyton Krebs who got hurt late in the season. He's our rookie. Uh, we uh, he's probably our best prospect. He played late in the season, but I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's going to play in the playoffs anyways. But he had a broken jaw and he's skating with a with a bubble on his face. But other than that, yeah, Vegas is actually rel- relatively healthy, uh, surprisingly, uh, at this time of year. But I'm I'm pretty sure at the end of the year, people are probably playing her right now. Everybody is in the playoffs. Uh, let's be honest.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like as soon as a team's eliminated, then you start hearing it's like mm-hmm. one guy was playing with a collapsed lung. The other guy was <laughs> yeah. playing with like <laughs> a decapitated head. The other guy was it's always like these freak injuries that you hear about. And it's like, why were you even playing? Just go home and recuperate. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of, I guess, like the way that Vegas plays and the way that Montreal's playing right now as well. Like there's there's no way a mm-hmm. whole bunch of guys aren't playing through some sort of injuries. We got to wrap this up, obviously, because yeah. lockdown wants us to stay uh, under a certain uh, time limit, so you guys won't get bored of us. Let's do final predictions for this series. I think it goes to Game Seven.
1: I think the team with the most French Canadians win.
0: <laughs> they have the same amount of you, include Jonathan Druin, which they did not. So, like, we have we have, <laughs> we,
1: have we have four.
2: Yeah, we yeah. also have four. If you include oh, did. Jonathan Drouin, yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Um.
2: <laughs> But yeah, it's because uh, there was this one time when they were all injured, so they had no French Canadians uh, on the roster one night.
1: Anyways, I have them at six. Vegas at six.
2: Vegas at six. Scott?
0: Uh, I have Vegas in six as well. Uh, I've learned that if I predict good things to happen to the team, bad things happen. So if I keep predicting bad things, maybe good (laughs) things will happen.
1: Wait, I took that. I just looked at my prediction from other podcasts. I take that back. I I can't, I can't do flippy floppy different ones from different podcasts. It's Vegas in five.
2: Okay. Well, I'm taking, I'm still taking Vegas in seven. We've all predicted Vegas in various number of games, right?
1: Yeah. I I know where this is going.
2: (laughs) I'm just I'm not saying anything. I was like if any experts pick Montreal in the series, I'm going to mail them glitter. Like <laughs> after all of this, like you predict you predict Toronto in 4, you predict Winnipeg in 4. Now if you don't predict Vegas in 4, I'm going to be really really upset. So, um, I think I I obviously I don't believe in jinxes, but at the same time, I'm not ready to call it for Montreal.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh that's it. That's all my thoughts for today unless you have
0: any more
2: no, I think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to know. Right, Scott?
0: Yeah, I think that's everything.
2: <laughs> and so thank you, Carlo, for all of your information and your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, doing this. It's always, it's always, this is one of my favorite parts of doing this. I've done the crossover with Wild Crossover, Avalanche, and you guys too. Now it's it's really fun.
2: Yeah, we've become a pretty tight group, I think, as a result of of the podcast. Like, it's it's been fun to make friends, but yeah. there are no friends in the playoffs exactly like, uh, who was it that said about Max Patrick? I think it was Brendan Gallagher. No friends in the playoffs. So we will see you on the other side of this, Carlo. All
1: right. So, uh, yeah, good luck, but not too much luck.
2: Yeah, exactly. Good luck, not too much luck.